Good evening, everyone. It's good to have you here tonight for our regular prayer and Bible study. And it's so good to have our truth seeker regulars here joining us tonight for, for our prayer time. Uh, I just want to say how thankful I am for the, uh, the Resurrection Sunday program, especially the children's part of it. How great a job you guys did. Those songs uh, stay with me during the week. And, and uh, everything that you did has just been a blessing, a wonderful memory. And if we can leave memories like that, that's a way of impressing the gospel on people. And I praise God for that. We had a number of visitors that were here um, that normally would not be here on a, on a day like that, but on, on a typical Sunday, but they were here this past Sunday, and I was so glad that they got a chance to see that part. I want to thank also our uh, adults who work with our, our young people, our children. Uh, what a blessing your commitment shows. That is hard work. I know my wife often does that, and I, I I get volunteered for different parts of it as well. Um, but it's so good to see you putting forth that effort. And your effort, um, uh, I can't reward it, but that's the, that's the bad news. The good news is God can, and he does. He can reward much better than I could ever do. Uh, today we're going to look at uh, a challenge. We'll start with Matthew 6 because we looked at there what we call the disciples' prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And we were talking about forgiveness and praying and how there's a connection between being able to pray and forgiving others. In fact, the connection is so strong, Jesus says in verse 12 of Matthew 6, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What, are, what do you mean by debts? Is it a financial debt that he's talking about there? No. No. In fact, financial debt is just a picture of what forgiveness looks like. Um, forgive us of our wrong or our sin as we have forgiven others who have sinned against us is what he's talking about. And then... He says, verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's good to know. But then he gives another condition. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The children are with us here tonight. Isn't that a practical teaching? If you're not willing to forgive those who wrong you, then God will not forgive you when you wrong him. That's pretty straightforward and pretty strong. But it's not just to children. It's to all of us, to adults as well. He's saying forgiveness has to be a part of our Christian walk. It has to be a regular part. In fact, he says that we forgive because we have been forgiven. And if we are forgiving, we're acting like we haven't been forgiven. And that's a dangerous way to act. That's a dangerous way to act. All right, now today I want to look at Luke chapter 17. First couple verses there, Luke 17, so turn there with me. I'm going to start at verse 1. He said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. 
but woe to the one through whom they come. It will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. That's a pretty strong statement. You think Jesus cares about little ones? He certainly does. He said if somebody leads them astray, he uses the term causes them to sin. What could that possibly mean? You can answer me. What would it mean when he says, if anyone causes them to sin? Give me an example of how one might do that. Okay, introducing something to them that is wicked and sinful. All right. Anything else? One causes them to sin. Now, we know you can't make somebody sin, right? You can't force them to sin, but he says you can actually cause, in, in one way, be, let me, let me put it in more kind of a technical language, be the indirect cause of their sin. You can't be the direct cause of their sin, but you, even Satan isn't the direct cause of our sin, but he does tempt us, doesn't he? I just said the word. <laughs> I gave you a clue, Naomi. She said, expose them to bad things like alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's it, exactly. You can give them, you can, you can expose them to sin that would tempt them, that would expose them, that would hurt them. We actually have laws in our country that certain things that are legal for adults, adults are not legal, it's not legal for adults to give those things to children, right? And uh, you can cause them harm by doing that. They don't have the same discernment and so forth. Um, you can cause them harm. But here he's talking about tempting or allowing temptations or leading or teaching them to do wrong. I have a very personal example of that. I know of a person who was leading uh, our young people here at this church, and I met with that person because I was not pleased at all with something that they had exposed our children to. And it was such uh, um, a wrong thing that I removed that person immediately from their position. Immediately. And that person was upset with me for doing that and after meeting in my office that person slammed the door in my office as they walked out uh, but that's a serious thing i tell you how serious it was it was a few months later but that person died and I don't think that that's I, I don't take that lightly God struck that person down they never confessed that sin they never confessed the awesomeness of their action of what they had done. And so the Bible takes it seriously. Jesus takes it seriously if we mislead children, if we mislead our people. I'm so thankful our truth seekers is doing just the opposite of that. I'm so thankful that um, our, Christ, our, me, our Christmas, our Resurrection Sunday program is teaching children what the gospel is and what Christ actually done it did uh, uh, and not misleading them in any way, not leading them 
uh, to temptations. Now, let me get to my thought um, of the connection between uh, forgiveness and our prayer time. Because later on in, in Luke chapter 17, he says, verse 3, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. There is another word that is mentioned when we talk about forgiveness, and that is the opposite or the other side. The counterpart to forgiveness is, what's the other word? Say it again. Thank you for being alert and awake. <laughs> Repentance. There's two things that we should talk about together. They are partners together. Forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness and you got it. All right. You got it. It didn't take you long. I knew you'd get it. Look at how this verse, how this uh, uh, section puts that together. Let me read and continue to read, starting at verse 3 of Luke 17. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. There is, we see the partnering of those two things. What is needed for true forgiveness is true repentance. And when true repentance is offered, there must be true forgiveness. Jesus says if he sins against you and repents and turns from that sin seven times in a day, then each one of those times you are to extend that forgiveness to him. So we see that God wants our relationships and our fellowship to, to, be, to be open, to be clear, and to be right with each other. Now something has, has to happen for that to be right. It's the same thing that has to happen for our vertical relationship to be right. For me to be right with God, there has to be repentance on my part and then forgiveness on God's part. Repentance on my part, forgiveness on God's part. It's important that it's so important Jesus talked about that in the disciples' prayer that we, we had mentioned earlier. Um, those two things go together. Uh, so we need to think about how they, in fact, go together and what are the conditions and, and how they ought to work. I don't have time tonight to get into all of that, but I just wanted to introduce that tonight, introduce that to you. God's, God forgives those who come to him with that changed heart of repentance. In fact, you could even say it stronger. God is the one that prompts that changed heart and he gives his forgiveness to those hearts that he has prompted and wooed to him to come. And he, he gives that forgiveness to those who, who he moves to repent. If you look at how God works, it's the Holy Spirit that works in us, that brings us to repentance. Um, Paul said there's nobody can call Jesus Christ Lord. In other words, uh, confess that Jesus, the truth about Jesus, unless it's the Holy Spirit that brings him to that. Now they can say words, but 
He means in their heart to acknowledge that, to see that. We see in our study in Mark uh, when Peter, Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ. That same scenario happened in the Gospel of, of Matthew. When Matthew discussed it, um, Jesus says, yeah, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father revealed that to you. That's something that God does. He brings it to to our knowledge, to know who Jesus really is. And repentance is that same way. It's confessing and turning from sin. He causes us to see our sin, to speak and confess, and, and then to turn and repent from it. And he brings forgiveness when his work is done and seen that way. So let's remember that, that combination as they go together, um, forgiveness and repentance. Good evening, Saints. Trying to continue where meditation in John. We're now in chapter 18. He has spoken these words. He went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his, his disciples entered. Now, Jesus who betrayed him also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples so Judas having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priest and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons then Jesus knowing all that would happen to him came forward and said to them whom do you seek they answered him Jesus of Nazareth Jesus said to them I am he Judas who betrayed him was standing with them when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered them, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into his sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Well, that'll be the section that we'll read today. We were meditating on this section. Let's just think about this section. a kind of reversal in wrestling a reversal is when you are on the bottom and you turn around and now you put the other person on the bottom that's a reversal so let's just think about this as a reversal um, Jesus was in the garden Judas knew about the place because he was one of the disciples this is one of the places that Jesus used to meet not other people would really know about this place. You got to think about in those days, it was probably hard to find people if you were going to arrest them because it's not like they have photo IDs. You'd have to have somebody to identify that person. And then you'd have to catch them at some place that they frequent. So this is all happening. And when they go there, you got to think what they're thinking. They're thinking, we got them. 
we got a band of soldiers and we're going to get Jesus and we're not going to let him go so now we have to understand this and, and I guess the, the larger question that we're going to answer is this what's the point of this section in the Bible what's the point of this section they thought that they were going to capture Jesus but what ended up happening well that's true he did give himself up and that is definitely one of the points here there's something else that happens they fell back another dick So let's think about this. Why did Jesus display the power and the might of God there? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's definitely the larger, the larger point. There's a minor point because he talks about this reason. Let's discuss that one first, because the point that Jamar point, pointed out was the main point. Let's discuss another reason why he would display the power. He says something after he displays his power. What does he say? Not that. He asks him, who do you seek? In other words, who are you trying to arrest here? And what do they say? They say, you, man. Jesus Jesus of Nazareth. And then he says, I am he. They all fall back. And he asks him again. And he says, I had told you that I am. So if you seek me, what? Let these men go. There's two reasons that he displayed the power of God. The one was he threatened them. Right? Let's think of it. They thought that they were bringing power to him, but he was actually bringing power to them. He made them all fall down, right? He was showing that he was the one that was in control of that situation. So therefore, don't you dare touch my disciples. That's the first reason, right? Because he says it himself. The reason I'm doing this is so you don't arrest my disciples. And he says it to fulfill his own words, which he's the only person in the Bible who does that. Not only does he prophesy, but he also fulfills his own prophecy. He said, I would not lose one. And John says he did this to fulfill what he said, that he would not lose one. And it speaks to this larger point of this, that when we are in God's hands, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will always have enjoyable experiences. But it means that we will not be out of God's hands ever. And that's where our faith rests. Now, here's the problem. The scripture often says this, and I think it's said in such a way, and people don't, I was trying to think why the scripture says this. I was thinking that while dad was talking today. It says, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you'd be able to, one pastor say, lift up a tree. One pastor say, lift up a mountain. 
All right. So that's all it takes to lift up a mountain. Who in here has lifted up a mountain? Raise your hand. No hands raised. All right, so let's talk about this. What does that mean? That means that our faith is really small, no matter how strong we might think it is. Because nobody in here has lifted up a mountain. I think that's the point of the passage. That Jesus is saying, yeah, if you had a little bit of faith, you'd be able to do this. But you ain't got much faith. I think we sometimes as Christians can get cocky. Jesus said this, if it wasn't for God holding us back when Antichrist comes, even the very elect would be fooled. We are not described as extremely wise creatures. We're described as sheep. There's one lion, and that's Jesus. He's also described as a lamb, but there's one lion. We're not described as lions. We're sheep with little faith. And that's why we have the struggles that we have. We have the struggle of trying to continue to grow this faith that's smaller than a mustard seed. Sometimes it's so small that sometimes we wonder if it exists. Sometimes we could have a brother or sister do something and we think in our mind, whoo, I hope they say it. If you ain't thought that, you ain't been a Christian long enough. I think that sometimes. I'm like, ooh, man. Please, Lord, save them. They've been going to church for 10 years. Hope they saved. And that's scary. But that's what it makes it hard to be part of the church. Well, we, and we teach about this in Sunday school. Who remembers about the invisible and the visible church? Anybody knows what that means? Somebody explain it. What is the visible and invisible church? Can you speak a little louder? I can't hear you. Okay. Yep, the visible church is the church people that we see. What's the invisible church? Okay, it, you're, you're, you're right in a way and you're wrong in a way. The invisible church is everybody that's really saved. But we can't tell when we look at somebody whether they're one or the other, right? If I look at you from the outside, I can't tell if you're saved. I have to look at fruit of your life and things like that, right? So somebody could be part of the visible church. In other words, they could be serving here for 15 years. And when we stand before God, he could say, I never knew you. Because they're not part of the invisible church. They secretly in their heart did not place their faith in Jesus Christ. Whoa. That's the passage that I read. Every time I read it, I get scared a little bit. Because I know myself. I know I have false thoughts from time to time. I know that when I hear somebody, sometimes I even doubt the existence of God from time to time. That's how weak our faith can be. But Jesus says this, I lose none. And that's the reassurance. The reassurance is not that our faith is so good because our faith is less than a mustard seed. The reassurance is that Jesus does not let us go. And the other reassurance is this, that Jesus voluntarily sacrifices himself for us. He said, you don't take my life. I lay down my life for the sheep. And that humbling Jesus is our God. And so we have to thank God for that because 
people often think, oh yeah, I beat the church, I did this, I did that. No, God allowed that to happen. But Jesus said in another place, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So we can take refuge in those words. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Pop quiz. How hot did it get yesterday? 81 degrees. So, as per history, what happens in our city when it gets hot? That's a, that, that right there is about the best description of it because it covers everything. <laughs> right? I mean, I already saw a guy, a guy on a three-wheeler weaving in and out of traffic. I was like, you realize if you hit somebody or they hit you, you are going to lose. Um, but, you know, it's just, it goes with everything. It goes with that. It goes to people dressing like they shouldn't be trying to cause other people to lust. Murder rates. I mean, they're already high. That goes up. I mean, there's a shooting up the street from my house, you know. And then even that. You know, I'm trying to go vote because it's right by where we vote, and they're in the street drinking, partying for this person. You know, I don't even know what it turned into, but I could go on. I mean, you can fill in the blank of what happens around our city when it gets warm. And I don't think it's, it's just our city. I think it's everywhere that people, when they're all cooped up in the house, they don't have the opportunity to do the things they do now. Um, probably ask Jeremy. He's probably seen a lot of stuff already. Um, so what I want to do for our prayer time, let's just focus on that. Focus on just some of the sinfulness that occurs. And actually, this just came to my head. It's sad to think some of the stuff that happens in a time when things are getting nice, when temperature's getting nice, plants are coming back alive, the beauty of nature of God's creation is being shown, and it's, it's, it's soiling the landscape, basically. Um, that we have a lot of things that we can rejoice for with the Lord on, on the nicer weather and the getting to be outside more and enjoy His creation, but then we have to worry about things of this nature. So um, we'll just pray about those. Um, pick on whatever you want to talk about, and then I'll close this. If I gave you a mic, you need to pray. Sorry. We got some new people. You or Michelle, don't matter. And then my dad. Sorry, you guys aren't in here. That's why I picked you guys. So, recap. If I gave you a mic, it's so you're heard for the recording. And it's just the corporate prayer time. And then I'll close. So, just you two. Dear Lord, we come before you and we ask you for forgiveness, Lord, because we know our hearts are evil, Lord. And we don't always seek you, and we don't always do what we're supposed to do, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a light in this uh, dark world, Lord, as we are placed in the middle of the city of Milwaukee, Lord. That you would help us be a light, and that people would come to know you because of our presence here, Lord. And that it wouldn't just be the leadership here, but that every member of the church would go out and do their part to um, save souls, Lord. I pray that you would just uh, bless our church as we go out and do that, Lord. I pray that you would help us be able to learn what we need to learn and be able to impact um, through the rescue mission and all the other forms of ministries that we do, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be 
a deterrence to the evil in the city, the violence and the things that we see on a day-to-day basis, Lord, that people would know that they could come to us for the answers, Lord, and that we have the answers because we know you, Lord. And we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins and giving us a way out that we know that even if the worst was to happen to us on this planet, that we still will spend eternity with you. And we thank you for allowing us to keep our the people in this church safe thus far, Lord, that nobody has been hurt by violence or anything like that. But we pray that when we do go out, when the weather gets even warmer and better, that we would be an example and that we would not be afraid in the face of evil, Lord, but that we would be able to go out and speak boldly the truth and the gospel that you can save, Lord, and that there is no other way other than you. And we pray these things in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Lord, I just want to continue in prayer. I just want to lift up our city. I want to lift up all the cities and towns of, of the world, Lord, and um, just the wickedness that goes on. It seems like um, when it gets warm that the wickedness exemplifies, and it just occurred to me during this prayer, Lord, that it's not exemplified, Lord. It's always there. It's just we see it now. It goes from inside a house, hidden, to out out and about, Lord. Um, we ask that you just be with the wicked people, Lord. Um, I ask for... Um, forgiveness for me and anybody else who, when we see something wicked, we just, we think, Lord, get them. And I have to ask for forgiveness of that because sometimes my get them isn't, Lord, help them see their need for you, but it's smite them, Lord. And obviously, the punishment you can bring to somebody is way worse, even if it's in that eternal punishment of hell, Lord, is way worse than um, the, the, the moment of gratif- gratification I would get by seeing them um, get some sort of punishment, Lord. And um, we just uh, ask for forgiveness for that, Lord. But we ask that you do help these people see their need for you. We do help them see the, the decisions and the life they're leading is not one that is a glor- glorful one that glorifies you, Lord. That it is an animosity to you, is animosity to even the laws of um, man that has been put in place, Lord. Um, be with your people, Lord. Be with us as we have the chance to minister to some of these people, Lord. Minister to people that may uh, may not be that person, but may be that one person that has a contact to them, that can minister to them, Lord. Just continue to use us and multiply the use of, of us um, through the people that we're in contact with, Lord. Use your church. Continue to just grow your church, strengthen your church, Lord, especially as these end times are coming and the, the days become more wicked, Lord. Continue to grow your church and strengthen your people, Lord, um, to continue to do your work. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>